0: Shalom, everyone. We are going to be finishing up this series on the mother of harlots. And uh, just again, I'm going to preface today's message and uh, forgive me up front. are going to, I'm going to be throwing a lot of things at you today. And some of these things that I'm going to hit you with, you're going to want to sit there and you're going to want to ponder them. And unfortunately, I'm not going to give you that opportunity, Okay. (laughs) So we're going to keep going. So, And the reason I say this, stay with me. I need you to stay with me. I need you to keep up with me. There are a lot of things uh, that are pretty, oh, this message is heavy. This is, this, is, this is kind of where things begin to get crazy as you start to peel back layers of things that are actually going on. And so, with no further ado, we got so much to go through. Let's start here. Revelation 17, 18, and the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. And this is where we ended off last week, last verse of chapter 17. And we got this great revelation where we identify. The point of going through this, the reason it's recorded, we're supposed to identify who the harlot is. And a huge aspect to identify, we just, now we know she is a city and she's not just any city. Oh, this is the harlot that reigns over the kings of the earth. She has power. She has influence. She has the world wrapped around her little finger. A lot of control. And that's not all we learned about her, but we also learned this, her name. Mystery Babylon. And that name tells us everything we need to know. Yes, it tells us, uh, her demeanor, her character, she is evil, but it tells you more than that. See, because scripturally speaking, Babylon is used of judgment. It's a reference point. It's a word used to describe God's judgment is coming. And so we know her future. This woman's future is death and destruction by the hand of the living God, the God of Israel. Now moving on, verse one, let's break new ground. There's a lot of things we got to learn about her. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth, listen to this, was illuminated with his glory. It's not something you read every day. What does it tell you about this angel? The fact that this guy has such great glory, he's coming down, he's illuminating the earth. I'll tell you what it tells me. This angel was in the throne room, and the glory of God that radiates from who it's you know Psalm one hundred four says he clothes himself with light as with a garment. This guy has been in the throne room right when we read in the Torah in Exodus thirty four Moses goes up the mountain he comes down his face is shining with the glory of God he has to put a veil over it the people are terrified because he drew near to God and so you see this kind of glory coming down where he's illuminating the earth he's coming from the throne room he has a message listen to this message verse two and he cried mightily with a loud voice saying what babylon the great i want to stop here it's not babylon the weak babylon the insignificant babylon the pathetic this is babylon the great and if you don't really take that in what is said next won't mean much the fact that she is fallen is fallen the concept when babylon falls people will be dumbfounded because it's something that the world had seen as impossible. She's indispensable, she can't fall, she's too big to fail. I think of Rome in this context, interestingly enough. Uh, Even before Yeshua came on the scene with the apostles, what, what were the inhabitants calling Rome? They called it the eternal city, the poets. The eternal city. It's just fascinating because she was so glorious, so powerful, so strong, so influential, not, there was no thought that she could ever cease to exist. This harlot bears that mark. She bears that mark. Jeremiah 51 says this, Babylon has suddenly fallen and been destroyed. Now you look at this. This is going to be something we'll cover a little more. But Babylon has suddenly fallen. It's going to happen so quickly. They're not prepared for it. They weren't looking for it. The inhabitants will be shocked. They will be in awe at how quickly this happens. But then it goes on and says this, wail for her, take balm for her pain. Perhaps she may be healed. You know, you you, you read this verse, right? In verse eight, and you, perhaps she might be, there's hope until you go to the next verse. And then it tells you, but she won't be healed. That was awful. You want to talk about getting the, you know, the wind taken out of your sails? Maybe she'll be healed. Next verse, no, she won't. Why? She will not repent. She will not turn from her wicked ways. She is disobedient. She hates the faith. She hates the goodness and righteousness that we find in the word of God. Her inhabitants will not turn back to the Lord. They won't do it. And so they're going to, the Lord's going to lay waste to them. And this is what we read next in verse 2, second half of it. Babylon has become a dwelling place of demons. It's a cursed. It's a cursed place. A prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Verse 3. For all the nations have drunk the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. So why did it become a dwelling place of demons? Because she made the earth drunk. This is the reality. And all the inhabitants of the earth drank of her cup of abomination. But then we read this and pay close attention because this is huge for today. And the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. The nations of the earth prosper through her prosperity. They are prospering. There's a business arrangement. There's a relationship. Okay, this is part of identifying who this harlot is. She has a relationship with the world. It's a business agreement. They do trading, literally. Now, this kind of, you know, when, when I was going through this, I was immediately drawn back to Ezekiel. The Lord drew me back to Ezekiel because one of the most significant characteristics defined that we know of Hasatan, of the devil, is trading. And I'll, I'll show you this. Ezekiel 28, check this out. Verse four, this is of the devil. This is a prophecy about him. With your wisdom and your understanding, you have gained riches for yourself. And this is a mere image of what we're seeing with this harlot. Harlot, same thing happened. And gathered gold and silver into your treasuries. Oh, by your great wisdom in trade, you have increased your riches and your heart is lifted up. Because of your riches. This is what's happened to the harlot. You'll see this today. Heart is being lifted up. Verse 16. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within. In other words, Satan engorged himself with the pleasures and the things, the riches of the world. And out of that comes sin. It comes sin. It goes hand in hand. This great luxury this is, this is what happens. And then it says, you sinned, therefore I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. And I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Verse three. So as we go back here and we look at this, the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. This is absolutely a demonic characteristic, one of the primary characteristics of the devil. And then we read this. And I heard... Another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. And again, the prophets talk about this all over the place. We see the same thing. Uh, Jeremiah 52 verse 6, flee from the midst of Babylon, get out. Every one of you save his life, do not be cut off in her iniquity for this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. Why is the cry here in Revelation come out of her, my people? Because the plague of God is coming. The plague of God, the wrath of God is coming upon her. This cry goes out. We read this in Isaiah 48:20. Go forth from Babylon, flee from the Chaldeans. Now, there's good news here. The good news is, is when you see this, this is made, this statement is made. We know. A message is going to go out while the harlot's alive. While the harlot is still pouring out her cup and the inhabitants are drinking that abominable abominable wine, guess what? The gospel of Yeshua is going to be preached. The mercy of God is being poured out. The mercy, the grace, the faithfulness of God is being poured out in full measure. Where do you think this message comes from? It comes from the watchmen. It comes from the pastors and preachers who are going to take the pulpits with boldness, without fear, that are not gonna cater to itching ears, but they're gonna tell the people the truth. They will not be politically correct. They will not fear what the world thinks of them, but they will go out and they will start pulling people out of the fire and saying, get out of hell. Get out from amidst the abominations. Turn from your wicked ways. Start reading the word, start praying, start fasting. We're told men like this would rise up in the time of the harlot, When the harlot is actively moving and the prophets talk about how the Lord would give shepherds that would feed his sheep instead of these rotten shepherds abusing their privileges and feeding themselves and not the flock. An awesome passage to just be able to see God's mercy is right there in the midst of the harlot when she is crescendoing the mercy and grace of God is being poured out. Verse 6. Render to her just as she has rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mix double for her. It's what they call the lex talionis, right? This is the law of retribution. This is the whole concept of Leviticus 24, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Or what Yeshua would lay on us as he gets into Matthew 7, it's the golden rule. That which you want You know, done unto you, do unto your brother. This is the law and the prophets. But this woman has sown wickedness. She has deceived. She has beguiled. She's undermined the faith. And now she's going to be repaid for what she has done. She's going to get her just due. Verse seven. And the measure that she glorified herself, there's an arrogance, there's a pomp that she is embracing. There's a lot of pride. And so in the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, again, one, one thing we talked about last week, she is clothed in riches and glory, great riches, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, oh, I sit as queen and am no widow and will not see sorrow. This is, She believes this. Now keep in mind, I sit as queen... This is a city. We're talking about a city. And the city is so arrogant saying, I sit as queen. I'm not a widow. You will never take me down. I'm too big to fail. I'm too awesome to fall. Indispensable, irreplaceable. Her wealth has become her safety. Her success has become her power. This is where she's at. In verse 8, therefore, her plagues will come Listen to this, in one day. Death and mourning and famine. Now, we got to stop here. There's a lot. Her plagues are going to come one day. They will not be looking. It's just going to happen that fast. There's no preparation. They never saw it coming. These inhabitants of this city. And what is going to follow in that destruction? There will be death. You're going to see there's going to be mourning. We'll dig deeper into that. But there's going to be Famine. That's interesting see because who she is she is doing business with the kings of the earth she has been exalted to the highest of heights what happens when she falls there is a major economic cataclysmic collapse global we're talking about a global collapse and what follows famine it's the very thing that's being talked about in Revelation 6 in Revelation 6 this is what we see right? There's a major global economic collapse, and then what follows is famine. And you need to keep that. You need to stick that in your hat, and we'll, we'll come back to this. And she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. And we covered this last week, but again, we're being given attributes and characteristics to identify this prostitute, this harlot. Who is this city? One of the identifications is this. In her judgment, she will be burned with fire. But here's the thing. There's more to it than that. To know that this city is facing the the true judgment as revelation and that she meets the criteria. There's a context to that burning. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. We'll get to that in a moment. Moving to verse 9. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and live luxuriously with her will weep. And lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning. See, where there's smoke, there's fire. She is receiving a harlot's wages by God. She will be burned. And the entire world is going to mourn. They're going to lament her. Now, take that in for a second in light of what we talked about last week. What did we talk about last week? What we talked about was the fact that there were 10 kings that would rise up. That's the number we're given. Isn't it interesting, 10 is the number of judgment. This number of kings, 10, God is going to put it in their heart to turn against the harlot. They're going to betray the harlot. They hate the harlot. Now pay attention. You have the world that's in love with the harlot. They're fornicating with her. They're enjoying this relationship, this business relationship that they have. But yet, when it comes time to judge her, a small sect are going to rebel. They're going to break away. They're going to hate their, her with all their heart, and they're going to send her to the depths. This is what's going to happen. So there's a love-hate thing going on. Verse 10. Standing at a distance for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city, Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour, we just went from one day, now to one hour. Do you understand? This is when Jeremiah is talking in Jeremiah 51 that Babylon is gonna fall suddenly. It's a blink of an eye. You're not prepared for it. The world will not be prepared for what they're gonna experience. For one hour, your judgment will come. And listen to this. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her. Why? No one buys their merchandise anymore. See, this particular city made the world rich. They did business with her, and they did very well, and things were going well. Take her out, and what happens to the global economy? It collapses. It will collapse. And the world will change, the entire world. This is not hyperbole. The entire world is going to change in an hour. Everything's going to be flipped upside down. This is absolutely incredible, what we're reading here. All of this is an identity of who she is. Jumping to verse 21, Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Oh, thus, with violence, the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. Again, we've got to identify We've got to understand what's being described here. It's not just that she's burned with fire. You know, I can go back and look historically and see God destroying cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, by fire. But it was a particular way. He rained fire and brimstone from heaven. That's how he did it. That is not the case in regard to identifying this harlot, in regard to identifying the city. This woman is going to be attacked in war, it will be an act of violence. And that fire started from that war. You following? 23. The light of the lamp shall not shine in you anymore, and the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall not be heard in you anymore, for your merchants were the great men of the earth. She's not doing business with nobodies. She's doing business with the top all around the world. Okay? For by your sorcery, all the nations were deceived. You look at this in the Greek for sorcery, it is pharmakia. The use of medicine, drugs, spells. That's its definition, pharmakia. And you can see this, and, and you know the way they, you, know, you get your Greek poets and stuff, you can always go outside of the Bible because we're dealing with, right, Koine Greek. You go outside the Bible and look at how some of the Greeks, whether Polybius or Plato, uh, Homer, how they utilize pharmakia, and they utilize it as drugs. They utilize it at times as poisoning, poisoning the minds. And so you can read this in, in, in the context of by sorcery, in other words, by seduction, all the nations were deceived by all of this. That said, this term pharmacia and there's different, in, uh, there's different cases in which you see it being used, but it's the same term. I mean, this is where we get the term pharmacy, right? From pharmakia. There's pharmacos, pharmacone, depends on what case you have. This term used in Revelation is found several times. You can find it in chapter 9. We'll look at that in a moment. You can find it in chapter 21. You can find it in chapter 22. And here's what's important. Listen to me carefully. This term is one of the sins mentioned in the book of Revelation, clearly during the time of the harlot, okay, this is one of the sins that explicitly is mentioned that men have engaged in, pharmakia. Now, check this out. In Revelation 9.21, this is what we read. And they did not repent of their murders, of their sorceries. That's pharmacone. This is where we get this is the masculine form of, uh, pharmacos is the masculine form of the pharmakia, the feminine. They didn't repent of it. Or their sexual morality or their thefts. No, no, tread with me here for a second. The context here is this statement is made after the sixth trumpet in the book of Revelation is blown. I mean, we're in the book of Revelation, we're deep. And what are the specific sins that are mentioned? This is interesting to me. We got murder. You think of abortion and how out of control, in, in addition to all the violence that takes place on a daily basis. Abortion is just, it's, it's, it's insane, and it's all over the world. Of course, you have pharmacia, You have sorceries that men are engaging in this, sexual immorality. See, these are sins, these are sins that will be prevalent in the time when the book of Revelation is being fulfilled. You will see these. You will look at society, and these things will be prevalent. These, and now, there's a lot of other sins that Revelation could have brought to the table, but these are the ones that are standing out. It's interesting, you can go in, in chapter 21, chapter 22, and you will find these same ones of murder and sexual immorality and sorcery being re- repeated. These same ones. And the other thing I'll point out, which is just a side note, and it's not a coincidence, that you all find the term pharmakia or pharmacos always used, chapter 21, chapter 22, here in chapter 9, right next to sexual immorality, they're always butted up next to each other. And you know, you look at these, that, that, that is not a coincidence. But why would a writer naturally do that? Because every sin that is done is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against the body. We're dealing about defiling the temple. Do you understand? This is a defilement of the temple of God. Absolutely crazy. And so let, let me just ask you something Are we seeing murder? Over the top. Is, is, is abortion out of control? Is sexual morality out of control? Is pharmacia out of control right now? See, because right now, I mean, you know, I've talked to people. It's an interesting conversations, right, where uh, talking to this one person a while back, uh, they were telling me, you know, I, well, you know, my doctor had me on this medication, and then, well, that created a bunch of symptoms. You know, I took this medication because I had this particular symptom I needed to, to deal with, and so they gave me this medication to take care of that symptom, but I inherited 14 other symptoms by this new medication, but that's okay. Then they gave me this other medication to take care of some of those, which produce new ones. Then I'm on this other one. You have, and this is no joke, you have people on three, four, five, six medications at one time. It's, it's, it's big pharma. It's big crazy is what it is. It's absolute insanity. And the people the whole way along are suffering, but somebody's making money. Somebody's a very, very good trader. Somebody's figured this out. And the one thing in pharmakia arena that is more prolific than anything right now is the COVID-19 vaccine. More prolific than anything. Now, with that said, you look at all these attributes, everything we've looked at over the last couple of weeks, everything we've learned thus far today, you look at all these attributes and you ask yourself, is it possible... I'm just saying, is it possible that this harlot is alive today and the inhabitants of the earth are drinking from her cup? And if it is possible, then you have to ask the question, Well, who's a candidate for that? Who would be a likely candidate? Who would fit all, this descriptions, all these descriptions that we've gone through? Who would do that? Well, let me read you a headline. And this is from Senator Cruz last year. This is what it says. America is the greatest nation in the history of the world. And there are people saying that America is even greater than that of Rome. I'll ponder that, interestingly enough. Stay with me here. The Telegraph. U.S., not just the greatest nation on the earth, it is indispensable. We move on. The top 10 most powerful nations, according to the 2021 Best Countries Report, U.S. is number one. And this comes right off of the influential rankings. Check this out. International influence rankings. Number one is U.S. The United States of America is a North American nation that is the world's most dominant economic and military power. Its cultural imprint spans the world, led in large part by its pop culture expressed in music, movies, and television. Isn't that comforting how we've affected the world? We we are the most influential country in the world. What we have done here and what we are doing here goes to the globe. Interesting. The Office of the United States Trade Representative. The United States is the world's largest trading nation with over 5.6 trillion. And exports and imports of goods and services in 2019, try to wrap your head around that. Nobody beats us. We're talking business here. We're talking trading. Goods imports. United States is the largest goods importer in the world in the world. That's going to mean more to you in, in a little bit. Goods exports they're the second largest goods exporter in the world. Service exports. The largest services exporter in the world. The largest services importer in the world. This is where we're at. We are, America is, the economic superpower of the world. Unless we forget, what is the currency of the world? What is? It? It's the dollar. It's the U.S. dollar. You want to talk about great. You want to talk about pomp. You want to talk about being at the center of economic power and success. You want to talk about being influential on every level, through entertainment, culturally. We've impacted more nations than any other nation on the planet. Let that try to, try, to, <laughs> try to rationalize that. And you might be saying, well, Daniel, that's great. That sounds good and all, but, you know, America's not a city. You know, Revelation's very clear. We're dealing with a city. Well, let me be clear. With the kind of city that's being described in Revelation, that city will reflect the reality of the nation and vice versa. In other words, what I'm telling you is, yes, I agree, it's a city. What city would fit this criteria? Well, you know, thinking about this, I said, who better to ask than Google? And so (laughs) I type into Google, like I do, What one US city represents America? New York City. What one city? It gets better. And we read this. What is the most famous city in the USA? New York City. Here we go. 21 most influential cities in the world. New York City. New York City. Period. And it gets better. What's the greatest city in the world? New York City. All of these things are pointing. This is the absolute icon of Americana, of American wealth, of American prosperity. All comes to this. And not even just New York City. If you're familiar with New York City, there is a very specific sacred ground of New York City. There's five boroughs that make up New York City. You got Queens, you got Brooklyn. But there is one that stands out above the rest, and that is Manhattan, it's Manhattan, and you'll find, as you get into the, to the little area, the heartbeat, and it's called the heartbeat of the Big Apple. And it, ironically, this is even funnier yet, Manhattan's actually just typically referred to as the city, the city. And what they had, they had features the two largest stock exchanges in the world. I mean, this, this is no debate. This should draw attention. Not just that, we have these prolific superpowers of the banking system. We have Morgan Chase, you got Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, and we've got many others, all represented in Manhattan, the very epicenter, the heartbeat of New York City. The monsters of media, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Google, all of these, but check it out. They're all represented in Manhattan. Every one of them, even though I have places all over the place, they're all represented right in Manhattan. Let me take this a step further. In Manhattan, what do we have? The UN headquarters. I mean, UN headquarters for the world is in Manhattan. What did we read last week? Revelation 17 15. Then he said to me, The waters which you saw, where the harlot sits, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. If there was any symbol ever that would represent nations, peoples, and tongues, it is the UN. It's the UN. Let's move forward. The Stonewall Riots. And this is important. If you're not familiar with the Stonewall Riots, back in 1969, riot broke out at the Stonewall Inn. Why? Well, see, in 1969, it was illegal to solicit a same-sex relationship. Homosexuality was illegal. It wasn't accepted. And what had happened in the 60s, gay clubs started popping up under the radar. And police would go out and break them up and bust them up. It's illegal. This is, we're not going to allow this kind of behavior. You're not going to be able to do this here. But 1969, something unique happened. These, 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 these uh, people at Stonewall Inn, that particular night, June 28th, it's actually early in the morning, they turned on the police and they pushed back. They wanted the rights to freely express their sexuality, who they are. This is what they want to do. Do you know what happened out of that riots the very next year to mark it as a memorial in the month of June? We had this country for the first time in history had four gay pride parades, four gay marches, pride marches. You had in Los Angeles, you had it in San Francisco, you had it in Chicago, and you had it in New York. Never in the history of this country has anything like that happened. Do you know that the Stonewall Riots are literally considered to be the the birth of the modern-day gay rights movement? And did you know that only a couple years after 1970, organizations started popping up? It started to become more and more prevalent in this country, but it didn't stop. It actually went global. Global. All because of this event. This one event. Do you you know why we celebrate Pride Month in June? Because it happened in June. Where is the Stonewall in Manhattan. It's right in Manhattan. At the birth of homosexuality through the world of open homosexuality came out of Manhattan. That is a point you might wanna consider. Taking this a step further, look at this, look at this data. According to the data from the SEMrush traffic analytics tool, as of May 2021, porn sites received more website traffic in the U.S. than Twitter, Instagram, Netflix, Pinterest, and LinkedIn combined. Can you say that the inhabitants of this country are drinking from the cup of the harlot who's in the backyard? This is crazy. In 2018, at least four and a half million porn sites existed in the world, and more than half of those are located in the U.S. That—do you th- are you do they, are you calculating the numbers on that? We are very small, you know, in, in regard to millions—three hundred some million, right? We make a very small percentage of the population, and yet in the U.S. we have more than half—in the U.S. alone—of porn sites. If that's not disturbing, I don't know what is. Let me take it a step further. We move on to abortion. And you think of what's been going on, especially recently, this new recent administration, how it has overturned all the pro-life movement by Trump, which was, he was probably the most radical pro-life president ever, even, even more so than, than Reagan, pro-life, going out to defend or defund any sort of things. You think of Mexico Mexico City policy, which gives funds to these NGOs all over the world, right? But it will not give funds, the the, the way it's supposed to be, is you're not to give funds to uh, any of these NGOs who are going to solicit an abortion or actually perform it, okay? It won't do it. And so it's, it's basically saying we're only gonna US, use U.S. funds for life, to promote life. And you got Title 10 just recently, of course. You know, Biden with the Mexico City policy, he rescinded it. And then he comes in and with Title 10, and he adjusts that where, where uh, Trump had defunded all of these different programs that were soliciting abortions. And of course, does anyone forget how the abortion industry really started with Margaret Sanger who was going after minorities had no problem killing the black community this was this is this is the birth of it you want to talk about filth and hatred and that's why you see all these abortion clinics in minority neighborhoods how is that, is that is that a coincidence that's insane when you think of the abortion industry who do you think of who's the poster child Planned Parenthood. Huh? where's the headquarters of Planned Parenthood? Manhattan. I'm telling you, people, that if, if, and I'm just saying if, if what we're looking at here would be the heart, this is exactly what I would expect to see. I would expect to see this to come right from her and to infect the world, and I can tell you, it has. It absolutely has. Let's move on to Pharmacia. Here's a screenshot of Pfizer website distributing our COVID-19 vaccine to the world. And not to the state, not to the United States as a whole. No, no, to the world. This is where we're going global here. The world, uh, this says Pfizer Bio- BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine the world's preferred shot. And see, and this is being touted as the savior of the world. Just everybody come get your shot and you're gonna be safe. You know, believe in this this COVID-19 Messiah. It's it's gonna be all good. And notice the pressure that people are feeling all over the world, not just here. Coercion, manipulation to push this vaccine on people. It's, It's unbelievable. But now we got headlines like this. Thousands of medical professionals declare COVID policies, crimes against humanity. Last time that word rung true, that phrase, crimes against humanity, it's what Hitler did to the Jews. And now that term is coming back. It's coming back. Where people no longer have the right to choose to be a part of a gene therapy medical experiment. Now they're telling you you don't have that right. You, know, you can lose your job. You, you guys, I don't need to go through this with you. Most of you are on the front lines of this and experiencing what is going on. You have this headline just recently put out, 30 fully vaccinated Massachusetts residents die of COVID-19 in the first week of November. Fully vaccinated, dying of COVID-19. But we were promised, we were told. We were told that this is going to help, this is going to make, you, you won't get COVID-19, it's all good. Now the narrative's just slowly, they got to adjust. They got to bend, twist, and contort. U.S. Pentagon threatens to decertify Oklahoma National Guard if Commander doesn't reverse ban on COVID vaccine mandate. In other words, any resistance to the agenda, and you are going down. You will be met with some serious opposition. And then we have this. Criminal conspiracy unraveling. Pfizer and the government concealed thousands of deaths. Mass injuries caused by experimental COVID jabs. Now, this is just recent, December 3rd. Pfizer received over 1,200 reports of death from their vaccine in three months, but refused to pull it from the market. Look at this. The first 500 Pfizer-EU emergency use authorization documents have been released and now the world knows why this information was set to be concealed until 2076. I don't know if you heard, I think most of you might have heard, but here's, here's what happened. A group of scientists and doctors got together and sued the FDA. And what they did is they, they wanted to, you know, they actually believed the Freedom of Information Act is a real thing. And they want the FDA to produce the documents showing how did you come to your decision to give them emergency use authorization? How did you come to the decision that you approved Comirnaty? How did you do that? We want to see that. And the response of the FDA is, is we want 55 years to produce that information. That's not a joke. I'm dead serious. That doesn't sound fishy at all. That sounds totally normal, right? (laughs) Apparently, they could approve it very quickly. No problem, but we can't produce the information by which we based our decision, we can't produce that for, oh, 55 years. Tell me this is not insanity. And then it goes on, check this out, it goes on, in the first three months of the vaccine's rollout, there were voluntary reports of 1,200 plus deaths and over 42,000 adverse adverse, uh, reports, spanning a total of almost 159,000 adverse reactions. One of every 37 reports was death. This has only come up this week. Only this week, because they had to fight to get this information. Why do you have to hide information when you have this superpower drug that is just so powerful and so amazing, and it actually has no side effects? You might have a little soreness in your arm. Don't worry about the people that are dying over here. Don't worry about the people with Guillain-Barre. Don't worry about the people that are showing signs of MS that have nuclear, uh, um, they have uh, uh, breaking the brain, blood, brain barrier and having neurological issues. Don't worry about all that stuff, which more and more testimonies are coming out. Here's where I'm going with this. We we need to crescendo on this. If you remember Ilana Rachel Daniel from Israel, she came out with the report and just ripped Pfizer to shreds. Pfizer CEO Albert Bourla calls Israel World's Lab an interview. This is, where, this is where things really mess with me, where things get really, really disturbing. You're talking your worst nightmare coming into reality right now. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that statement is, is there is a pattern right now reemerging that we have seen before multiple times. What am I talking about? I'm talking about this. Follow me. Going back to the 8th century BC, you see Israel, Northern Kingdom. We had Northern Kingdom's Israel, Southern Kingdom is Judah. Israel has totally abandoned their God. They've rejected any notion of him. They rejected his Torah, his commandments. They are not faithful to him. They don't love him. And they're, what the Bible would call, they're committing harlotry, interestingly enough. They're committing harlotry against him. So what does the Lord do? Listen to me carefully. The Lord sends a shot across the bow and gives Assyria the power to come and attack them. Now, this is before 721 BC. It's before. It's long before. So they do a shot across the bow. And this is where you see Israel's response in Isaiah 9. And we'll go through that in a little bit. But Israel doesn't repent. The long and the short of it is that they don't repent. They continue on. They don't want to stop sinning. They don't want anything to do with the Lord. So in 721 BC, the Lord sends Assyria and lays waste to Israel, scatters them all over the place. Here's the other part of the story you need to understand. The Lord already had his eye on Assyria to judge them. Because here's the dirty little secret you cannot touch the apple of God's eye and walk away, it's not going to happen. That is not going to happen. He had already pre-planned. I'm going to bring judgment on Israel. Oh, yeah. And I will bring judgment on Assyria, one of the most wicked empires that have ever existed. The good way to do this is go touch my people. My people are sinning. I'll let you have advantage, but I'm only going to let you do this because I'm going to take you out. You need to come into judgment. Assyria was destroyed. They were destroyed. There's a pattern. It keeps happening. Then we go to the the Chaldeans, to, to the land of the Babylonians, Long before, even before 597, God was giving the Jewish people, the southern kingdom of Judah, giving them warning shots as Nebuchadnezzar was taking outskirts cities from Judah and conquering, and and they were losing ground. Judah was losing some ground. I mean, at that time, that's when you say, okay, you know what? We're losing ground. The enemy has power over us. We need to repent. We need to fast, we need to pray, we need to get back in this word. We need to walk in righteousness and holiness. This is what we need to do. That didn't happen. So in 597 BC, Babylon comes walking in and takes over total control of Yerushalayim. Total control. Ultimately, it would be destroyed in 586 because they kept rebelling. They kept rebelling. So God's given these shots across the bow and they're saying, so you have this pattern. But here's the thing about it. Again, guess what? What does God do to Babylon? What does he do to Babylon? He destroys them. He touched the apple of his eye. The prophet Jeremiah talks about this, and he lays waste to them. Here's the deal. You can't mess with Israel. You can't mess with the people of God and think you're going to be okay. You cannot do it. And this is where we're going to dig deeper. Let me read this to you. Immunization expert, unvaccinated people are not dangerous, vaccinated people are dangerous for others. And then it says this. Israeli doctor Kovi Haviv told Channel 13 News, 95% of seriously ill patients are vaccinated. This is referring to Israel. Fully vaccinated people account for 85 to 90% of hospitalizations. We are opening more and more COVID branches. The effectiveness of the vaccines is declining or disappearing. They're in awe, they don't understand what is going on. Because the vaccinated are the ones that are filling up Israel hospitals. This is coming from the doctor in Israel. This is coming from other multiple sources, actually. I'm not, I don't want to spend a bunch of time here. I'm just giving you one little clip here. So you understand what in the world is going on in Israel? Hell has been unleashed. Do you guys remember, and for those of you that went through the Hebrew series, you're at an advantage, I talked about all these signs that are coming out, and you got foxes trampling on the Temple Mount, you got snakes coming out of the wall. These are omens, bad omens, that something horrible is coming to Israel. And I don't even need those omens when I see gay parades, beginning in Stonewall Inn, now traveled across the sea, infecting Israel. They now are having gay parades in Jerusalem. And what I'm telling you is is I know judgment is coming upon Israel, And here I read a headline like this, where they get in bed with Pfizer, and these needles start flying everywhere. And the inhabitants of Israel are being forced to take this vaccine, now they're the numbers that are filling up the hospitals. Oh God, help us. Because when I look at this, what do I know? Where's Pfizer's headquarters? manhattan you can't even make this stuff up anymore you cannot make this stuff up in the harlot's den they went into bed with the with the harlot israel and buying all these vaccines and the people are starting to suffer what do you think is going to happen to us we're engaging in this relationship. That is messed up. This is, like I said, this whole concept terrifies me to no end just to think about this. I can't handle it. And so there's a pattern. Hanukkah. We're in Hanukkah right now. That pattern exists in Hanukkah. Israel was sinning. God allowed the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of Antiochus to come in and lay waste to them. But then God had mercy, and what did he do? Destroyed them. Everybody that comes against Israel, you're going down. This is not okay. What we see is not okay. It's disturbing beyond anything I can even describe. I'm, I'm at a loss for words of what we're seeing today. Now, let me say this. Whether or not New York City, Manhattan, is the harlot as specified in Revelation, that remains yet to be seen. If you see her burned with fire, specifically in the context of war, then you might want to step back and start considering you might be living in Bible prophecy. Oh, but wait. The shot across the bow did happen, didn't it? What happened to 9-11? Where is the Twin Towers? Right in Manhattan. The initial shot, just as Assyria had given an initial shot, just as Babylon is, did the same thing. There was an initial shot across the bow. This was a prelude of what's to come if there's no repentance. How is that even possible? I mean, this gets crazier and crazier the more you look at this. Let me take you to Isaiah 9. It said, all the people will know Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria, who say in pride and arrogance of heart, the bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild with hewn stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will replace them with cedars. Therefore, the Lord shall set up the adversaries of resin against him and spur his enemies on. The context is what here? Is that Israel is sinning. They took the shot across the bow. Bricks had fallen. Assyria had come in. The bricks had fallen. Instead of repenting, Instead of fasting, instead of confessing sin, Israel says, no, bricks have fallen, but we're gonna build, rebuild with hewn stone. How many of you read The Harbinger? How many of you saw Jonathan Cahn's? Jonathan Cahn brings this reality out and he just went all the way to the end with it. It was absolutely amazing. But this is a reality that we are looking at right now. In fact, when this attack, when we were attacked on 9-11 the very next day, we had people coming out. Senate Majority Leader, Tom Daschle. Well, I want to play this for you. I want to show you what, what was said.
1: For 212 years of the strength of our democracy. And say that America will emerge from this tragedy as we have emerged from all Adversity, united and strong. I know that there is only the smallest measure of inspiration that can be taken from this devastation. But there is a passage in the Bible from Isaiah that I think speaks to all of us at times like this. The bricks have fallen down but we will rebuild with dressed stone. The fig trees have been felled, but we will replace them with cedars. That is what we will do. We will rebuild and we will recover. Today, on this day of remembrance and mourning, we have the Lord's word to get us through.
0: Bricks have fallen, but we will build with pressed stones. Sycamores have been cut down, but we will put cedars in their place. So, as you look at this, and we'll go back to Isaiah nine. Here, you saw people in their own country. Our response to the attack was exactly the response that Israel gave the Lord. And what's he say? Therefore, the Lord shall set up adversaries. Because you said this, because you said this, he's going to set up adversaries. I mean, how insane is this getting? And do you, do you realize that we did rebuild? I mean, we did rebuild. We did this right here. And what is this call? A lot of people call it by its colloquial, the, the freedom tower. That's not its official name official name is One World Tower. Now you think about this on a prophetic level of what Nimrod did, the whole concept of gathering the world, wanting to seduce the world to coming into his way of thinking, into his mindset, to build this great tower of Babel so that they would not face the judgment of God in a very similar way as this, this, this harlot has declared, I am queen, I will sit forever. I will not be brought down. Let me take it a step further. After Jonathan Cahn did the Harbinger, he did the Shemitah, which simply means the year of release. It's the year of release. And one thing that he recognized is that there is a peculiar pattern happening in our economics. Every seventh year during the Shemitah, we have some serious economic woes that we get trashed with. Okay, you have in 1973, I think we lost like forty-five percent of the market. We went from two percent inflation to like twelve percent. It was awful. But here's the thing, that's not all that is happening on the Shemitahs in this country. That's this is this is insane. What happened in nineteen seventy three in the year of Shemitah? Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade. We suffered a great Economic crisis, you go to 1980, of course, you had the double-dip recession. 1987, Black Monday, stock market crash, that was huge. You come to 2001, no, more economic woes. What happened in 2001? 9-11, in a Shemitah, in a Shemitah. 2008, one of the worst financial, considered to be the worst financial crisis since the Great Depression. And then you have 2015, more economic woes. But what happened in 2015. We legalize gay marriage in a Shemitah. Now, guess what? Right now, 2021, all the way into 2022, we are in the next Shemitah. And I can tell you, I am not looking forward to what the rest of this year is gonna bring from a historical perspective, from this pattern that we see emerging. And so, what is the takeaway as we go through this? You know, There's two things, number one, we need to know, you know, you think about it. I mean, I think weird thoughts, I guess, sometimes, but as I know you do. But thinking about why does the Lord put all this ridiculous stuff, all this sin, why can't we just get, you know, Yeshua saves, he's love, he's power, let's move on. Why do we have all these other items in Scripture? Why do we need to learn about the harlot? Because my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. We need to know he has laid this stuff out and with precision, precision, he has given us an identity of who she is. Let's just say, New York City, that's a complete fabrication. We're connecting dots here that are really out of the stratosphere. What is not out of the stratosphere and what is not ridiculous is that if you walk like a harlot and you talk like a harlot, you're going to receive a harlot's reward. You're going to walk away with anything, walk away with that and know that We need to heed that call. And what is that call? Come out of her, my people. Get out of Babylon. That means get out of sin. Get out of compromise. Bring yourself in alignment with the word. Bring yourself into prayer. Start learning how to fast, because I kid you not, the things that are coming upon this land, you're not gonna be able to cope without Yeshua. I don't care how many antidepressants you think you can take. I don't care how much alcohol you think you're gonna drink. It ain't gonna help you. Only the Lord can help you. We need to get strong. We need to have strength in him now. It is time to get serious now. We are in a Shemitah year. There was everything. You want to talk about the history of this country. Now's the time to hear that call. Come out of her, my people. Stop putting the world's agenda. Stop prioritizing the the world's uh, values in your life. All of it is garbage. The only thing that matters is loving the Lord our God with all our heart and your neighbor as yourself. That's all that matters at the end of the day, amen? So I'm gonna bring up the worship team. We're gonna have a time of prayer as we, we're gonna close with this song, but this is gonna be a time. I want you to meditate on the Lord. I want you to focus on him. And as, as they come up, I'm gonna read this. Now therefore, and this is Joel two twelve. Thus says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, okay? With fasting, with weeping, with mourning, rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. Listen, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. He will show you grace. He will show you compassion. This is a promise, you know, return to me, it says in Jeremiah 3, return to me, you backsliding children. I will heal your backslidings because he is good and faithful. So that's where we need to be at in prayer today. And in the midst of that, to echo Dan's prayer that he prayed, you'd be praying for this community. Uh, we are always under attack. We are always under attack. And so we need your prayer. And community here, like you're here now, you need to pray for our online community. Our online community is praying for you. You need to pray for them. We're one, amen? I don't care how many miles are in between us.